I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 26 of The The Faith Faith Chair, where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I are going to be tackling the tough topic of racism and how it affects the church. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. So it is Friday and it's the first weekend of May and it happens to be amazing outside right now. It's your boy Tommy Niblack and Jesse Parker. We're back. Right. <laughs> Faith chair. Um, and as of today, you have cut your hair. Well, last yeah, week. I, yeah. Cut it come, come on here with yep. a small assist from my wife. That's what's up. That but, is uh, you know, yeah. So I'm presentable right now. I almost, <laughs> I almost put in the line myself. I told my wife, I was like, should I put in my, should I put in my own line right there on the, on the part? She was like, she was like, don't be extra, don't be extra. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it looks good right now. Don't jack it up and, and, and mess it up. So that's it, because doing lines is a whole. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing. You got to be, you got to be like a, a, a surgeon. Very straight, very, very straight. Yeah. And, and steady. So what are we going to yeah. talk about today? Yeah, I, don't ha- I don't have them little, I don't have those little mini razors to make it real clean too. So. Nah, nah. And it's no, I got be- the right tool for the job. See? And the right tool makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Especially so- when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> You might be able to fake it if you don't know what you're doing, but you got the right tools. But if right. you don't know what you're doing, you got the wrong tools. Right. It's a mess. And you think liable to be wearing hats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you go every day like, thank you, Lord, for quarantine. Thank you for quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yo, so what are we going to get into today? Uh, well, you know, uh, it, you know, National Day of Prayer was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming out of that, and I'm sure... I'm sure lots of uh, our listeners, you know, uh, on social media and in the news um, were made aware of this case down in Georgia that uh, that actually happened two and a half months ago, mm-hmm. um, but it's finally in the news uh, nationally right now. Um, you know, and it just, it, it brought up, it, it, in some ways it's an age-old question, and we'll get into some of that, but but again, just what uh, what is the, the church's role? What is our role as Christians, and what is the larger church's role? in issues of social justice mm-hmm. and, and, um, and facing the things that we struggle with in this nation, like racism, yeah. um, <clears throat> like violence, gun violence, uh, all these different things that are so hot in the political sphere right now. How do we approach that as Christians? How do we approach that as, um, as the church? How should we be looking for our church or as pastors leading our church in, in addressing those issues? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I want to go today. So first, how did you being um, not a black person handle hearing this news? Like, what was your first uh, reaction? What was your first response um, and initial thoughts? Um, you know, it's the it's the same response I have when all this kind of stuff jumps up. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it was tough for me. Like yesterday was a tough day for me because um, I have already been dealing with this growing frustration that 
uh, admittedly, and this you know isn't the right way to go, but admittedly, in my own weakness as a as a leader and as a pastor, was allowing to become some 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 losing of hope in some ways, mm-hmm. just for the church in large, as we've been going through this whole quarantine thing and just seeing all of the ridiculousness yeah. and idiocy and misinformation and conspiracy theories. And, you know, we've talked about before people fighting for their constitutional rights and not paying attention to their biblical rights. Yeah. Um, just all of that mess has just been so frustrating lately. And it feels like it's just this giant wave and there's nothing you can do against it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was dealing with that. And, and then this, this case jumps up and it's another one of those like big wave things where as, you know, as a, as a white man, you feel responsibility for, and at the same time, you have no idea how you can possibly make any difference on what's happening in Georgia. Right. You know? And so it was just, it was just kind of that, like, here we go again. Like what, how, how am I supposed to make a difference when there's just so many people out there and, and it's, and it's, it's doubly difficult because so much of that stuff happens in the South, which is supposedly the Bible belt. Right. So that, you know, you know, that the likelihood that these people that commit these crimes and these cops that commit these shootings lit like, you know, nine times out of 10 that they're probably Christian mm-hmm. or claim to be Christian. Um, and that makes it even harder. It's a because crazy, you thought. know, that as messed up as the situation is, yeah. the world is also assigning some, some level of the blame for that onto the name of God. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that was just, that was just some of the stuff I was trying to process yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was cool that in the midst of in the midst of uh, the National Day of Prayer was the day when the the wheels of justice began to actually turn on this case. So I thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah, uh, we we prayed about not that case in particular, but the overriding issues of prejudice and racism, hatred and violence. Um, and it was right in the middle of our National Day of Prayer hour on Zoom for our church that uh, that one of our members saw the news flash that uh, these guys had actually gotten arrested. Wow. You know, so I believe that it was the collective political pressure of our nation and as well as I'm sure the millions of Christians around our nation who happened to be praying yesterday yeah. all together on National Day of Prayer um, that, that, that worked in that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that was cool to see. Um, but like I was talking to my brother recently, uh, he's like, you know, he's like, that's, he's from the South and he's like, that's cool. Uh, call me when there's a conviction. <laughs> you know? uh, uh, so it's like it, it sucks that you can't even celebrate the arrest because you know that the 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 balances of justice are so skewed in our yeah. country yeah um and not just in the south yeah um but so skewed uh in favor of your white skin and against anyone with anything other than white skin yeah. um that you can't even count on justice once now that they've been arrested. But I do have hope because it's the whole state of Georgia now and not just Mm -hmm. the local Mm -hmm. law enforcement. But I used to, I lived in Georgia for eight years and I, it was that time of my life made me love the South. I didn't experience a lot of racism Um, there was one time in particular that I did from some kids I went to high school with, but it was indirect instead of them, uh, treating me with prejudice. They treated one of my friends who happened to be, uh, one of their friends, uh, 
who was white and they found out she was going to, she wanted to go to the prom with me and they called her the week of the prom and threatened to burn her house if she went to the prom with me. Wow. Wow. And I didn't find this out until a couple of weeks later because she was like, um, yeah, I can't go. Something came up. I'm not going to be able to go. So I wound up going to the prom by myself. And when I asked her what happened, she, she told me she was like, I was, I was, I was scared. And, and, and excuse me, I didn't want, you know, to ruffle the feathers. I didn't want that to happen. And I was like, Oh my God. But that was literally the only time, uh, in the eight years I was there, even I had a run in with, with the police. Um, it was a traffic violation and, um, I'd gotten a ticket and I missed my court date. I'm sitting in class in college and a police officer comes to my class and he, wow. asked, he asked the teacher, uh, for Mr. Niblack and he points me out and, uh, in front of everybody's like, Mr. Niblack, would you come with me? Uh, I was like, okay, what is going on? We get in the hallway. He was like, Hey, uh, I have to arrest you because you missed the court date. He showed me the paperwork. Da, da, da. He said, but you seem like a cool guy. I'm not going to cuff you. Just follow me to the car. I was like, oh, cool. And this was a white officer. Uh, we get to the car and he doesn't even touch me. He just opens the door. He was like, all right, go ahead, get in. Um, and he takes me to the courthouse and everything was smooth. It, it was very smooth. There was no prejudice. I didn't feel any of that. He didn't treat me. Um, uh, with any prejudice whatsoever. It wasn't until I got to New York that I started to see and have experiences with not only um, civilians, but also police officers. Yeah. Um, Isn't that interesting in the, the, the big, big, big uh, democratic progressive yeah. uh, north of the north, New York. Right. 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 And, and I, I love that too, because I think, I think where we all go wrong in these conversations discussing is that we get caught up in the stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and some stereotypes exist for a reason mm-hmm. um, because they're based upon an overwhelming majority, but we, you know, we, we, you, you can't say that all the Christians in the South because there's racism in the South are false Christians. And you right. can't say that everybody who's white in the South is racist mm-hmm. um, or that all every non-white person in the South has experienced racism. Like you right. can't say those things as a blanket statement. And I think that's where things get tricky in the dialogue and the conversation about this is because too often we approach it with blanket statements yep. and that rubs people the wrong way. Cause they're like, hold up. I don't fit into that category. So now, now I'm not really willing to listen to the rest of what you have to say. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've had that experience. I've gone through a, a, a racial reconciliation training as part of a job that I had. And mm-hmm. the people doing the training, they were coming from the, the viewpoint that all white people are racist. That be- ah. Because you're white and we exist in a system that has been set up to benefit you. Uh, because you benefit from it, you are therefore inherently and without any control of your own racist. Wow. Um, and that rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, hold up, man, you, you have no idea what my life experience has been. Right. Right. And you know, 
And while I recognize that the system is set up that way, that doesn't mean that I as an individual are not fighting to change that system, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, I mean, there's just, there's so much out there. There's so many different viewpoints. And, and like I said, I was, I was FaceTiming with my friend who's from the South. Uh, you know, he's 40 year old black man from this grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. He had a very different viewpoint on things yeah. than, than I would have thought he had based upon uh, generalizations. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's why it's important. I think, uh, you know, in talking about what is our response as Christians as a church, like, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to listen to each other Yep. and, and not, not be worried about, uh, putting people into boxes and categories, right. But actually getting to know who they are and allowing them to show their true colors. Cause so that we, know uh, we can really rely on and who we need to speak what truth to and, and, uh-huh. and uh, who is already aware and, and all those kinds of things. Cause when we lump people together, we lose people. Uh, we lose people who would otherwise be on our side because, because we're unwilling to recognize that they might not fit into the box we assign them to. Right. Uh-huh. Cause everybody's story, everybody, ex- everybody's experience is different. Um, and uh uh, it's, it's funny how I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine from Bothell yesterday. She's, uh, on the, her and her husband are, are on staff at a church, uh, in Bothell. And she was just like beside herself, angry with what was going on, uh, what had happened in, um, in Georgia. And she was like, all right, what's the response of the, of, of church leaders? How are, how are, how are believers going to respond to this? And she was like, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in the town where that, where the black gentleman was drug behind a truck of some white guys. She was like, I grew up in that town. And um, she was like, I can't believe this is still going on. And um, the pastor of the church we were at in New York posted on his page i grew up in brunswick where this kid got shot this was this is my city and um i i'm just like it's crazy because i he obviously doesn't remember having or knowing people that treated other people differently i lived in georgia and didn't have those experiences but there are people that do and have had those experiences and think, man, this is a, and I, I said in my post yesterday, this is not a Georgia thing. It's a people thing um, yeah. because it's everywhere. People are like this everywhere. And um, uh, I was telling my kids that they wanted to go to the beach yesterday. And I was like, and they left without telling us they were going. Mm. And I called them and I called them as soon as they got there. And I was like, we didn't know you guys were leaving. Come back home and let's start all over again, right? So they get they get home and they're like, why do we have to come home? I was like, because I want to give you guys an opportunity to, to, to do this the right way. So do you want to go to the beach? If you want to, you need to ask. And so we went through that. They were like, well, why? And I was like, well, because we want to make sure you guys one, have communicated to us and we have given you our blessing to go. Two, we want to make sure you understand the safety precautions you need to take. Three, you're not white. Yeah. Like I had to say that yesterday. I was like, you're, you're, and you're going out in quarantine time where there are some restrictions have been lifted, but at the same time, if an officer wanted to, 
if he was having a bad day, he could he could pick, he could pick you guys out of the crowd and be like, well, let me pick on them because they're not white. Yeah, you, you you know what I'm saying? Like I actually had to say those things yesterday, and uh, it hurts. But at the same time, talking about what is our responsibility as believers, I wholeheartedly believe that, um, and I said this on a on a previous podcast that I do not identify as, and I, I, let me change that. I have to fight against identifying as a black man who is born again. Hmm. I have to remember that I was, I came into this earth as a black man, but the moment I accepted Christ as my Lord and savior, I am from heaven and that identity, my identity is wrapped up in Jesus. So hmm. I have to remember, I am now an ambassador for Christ who was put in a black person's body. Um, so I cannot wrap my identity in being black or I'll miss the point. And the point is that we have to continue regardless of what's happening. And I love what you posted the other day about, uh, the script, the, the verse about how, uh, the believers are being persecuted. And like, mm -hmm. that was, that was the next step in their relationship with Christ during the time that they were living in. Um, but I think it paints a, a beautiful picture of the reality of the life of believers. It's not hunky-dory after you accept Christ. It's not you're walking on rose petals and, um, and, and uh, there's rainbows every day. Yeah. It's not that. It is live your life. And here's, here's where I'm getting at. The whole point of my life and our life as believers is to live in a way that's worthy of the gospel in a way that brings glory to God and joy to others. And that is not pretty. It's not pretty. So yeah. like, I, I hate that this happened, but those guys who killed him, that father and son, they need Jesus. And who's going to take Jesus to them? Who's going to show them Jesus? It hmm. might be someone who they would rather shoot than talk to. You know what I'm saying? But we're, we're so caught up in being, we might be so caught up in being black that we forget that we as believers have a responsibility to share Jesus, to share mm -hmm. Christ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we were, it, it was interesting because we kind of had a conversation around this idea without addressing it specifically uh, mm -hmm. last night in our Bible study, we were in first Corinthians chapter six. And in that chapter, Paul talks about how, you know, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't have lawsuits amongst believers. Like don't take your disagreements in front of, uh, you know, the courts of the world, basically. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then he goes on, and I think it's in verse seven and verse eight, he actually says, and in any ways, if it even got to that point of you having a lawsuit issue, whether you're taking it before the, a church judge, a Christian judge, a mediator, or if you're taking it to the world's court, that you've already lost a battle. Right. Why didn't you just accept the injustice? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you just allow yourself to be cheated and move right. on? Right. And so he, he sets this different kind of standard that echoes back to Jesus when he says, as, you know, turn the other cheek. If if they right. want your tuna, give them your you know your jacket as well, and, and right. all these kinds of things. Just like, and yet at the same time, like Jesus, Jesus protected the the adulterous woman from mm -hmm. being stoned. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what what our discussion was, and what my realization was in the context of me like feeling the weight of of this situation that had happened, and and just the overall national day of prayer um, is always kind of a day that hits me different. 
because you kind of voluntarily as a group take upon this national burden and it can, uh-huh. it can be weighty um, was this idea that we have to, we walk this weird line as believers uh-huh. or we're not, called to fight for our own rights but we are called to yeah. champion the rights of the oppressed right the uh the the vulnerable and the weak mm-hmm. like and it's like it, that's a difficult line to walk because you can't the mindset that you have in fighting for those who are weak and those who are oppressed can't start to invade your mindset about yourself right because the bible sets this very and we talked about it last night with our Bible study groups. It's not an easy standard, but the standard is essentially uh, God's your provision. And this life is just a, 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 a moment, a, a wisp of air yeah. compared to eternity. Um, so don't worry about it when people do you wrong in this life. Yes. And some people put it in terms of uh, just let yourself get walked all over. And we have this negative reaction to that. And yet, that's what the Bible calls us to, yeah. right? But we're not supposed to, we're all, at the same time, we're also not supposed to sit there and let other people get walked over. Because right. Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of these, what you did, how you, right. tr- when you took, when you, when you visited those in prison, when you gave food to the hungry, when you gave uh, money to the poor, when you gave water to the thirsty, you did those things to me. And so there's this weird position that we sit in where we are supposed to allow ourselves to be persecuted, oppressed, violated without fighting back, without fighting for our rights or without fighting for our constitutional rights or whatever. And yet we're also supposed to champion the rights of others. Absolutely. And that's, 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 I think sometimes where the church, we get confused about how we're supposed to approach these issues and, and too much and too often. And we're seeing it right now with this, with all this COVID-19 stuff, you just got so many people fighting for their constitutional rights and and not paying attention to what the biblical standard is yeah which is basically that we're not supposed to fight for that stuff we're supposed to just if it's going to be taken let it be taken and that verse i posted uh was that in hebrews i'm trying to remember i can't um i can't remember i'd have to pull up my sermon notes that was for my sermon last sunday but but yeah essentially like you've suffered all this you've dealt with all this suffering and persecution and oppression and it says specifically that everything they owned was taken from them and yet they accepted it with joy yes. because they understood that there were better things waiting for them in eternity and and that's the mindset we're supposed to have as believers but at the same time protect yeah the weak and the oppressed here on earth that's that's huge i i i love that whole the whole um, the premise of that is we are different. We, we are not like everybody else. And I, it makes me think of what, how Jesus was telling the disciples when he was telling the, the parable in Matthew. And, uh, he's talking about the, the 10 that heard and were resentful and angry with the two brothers, but Jesus called them to him and said, Hey, uh, cause they were wondering who's going to be the greatest. Yeah. And and then Jesus says, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles have absolute power and lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. He said, but this is not so. This is not how it's supposed to be among you. And there, that, that phrase, it's not so among you. Or it's not how, this is not how we talking to if you're following me if you are or if you are living your life by the example I've set for you 
this is not how we do things. And um, I, I feel like in this, in this whole situation, we have to remember, yo, that's how, that's how people who don't know Jesus respond. That's how people who don't know Jesus react. That's how people who don't know Jesus, this is what they would say. And that's not to say that we are exempt or we're so special that we don't have feelings anymore. Because what the verse that you just read says that we have those feelings. We feel that. And we're supposed to feel not only that for ourselves, but for other people. But yeah. the way we respond has to be, like Paul said, in a way that's worthy of the gospel. And um, uh, it's it's hard. And it's, this is not the popular opinion among minorities. I'm just going to say that. And I should have said that before. But this is not a popular opinion among minorities who are who are even believers um and uh but i pray that and i was telling my wife this yesterday i pray that the family of this of uh ahmad uh the arbery family i don't know if they're born again but i pray that at some point they have the opportunity to publicly forgive these people um to heap those coals of fire on their heads so they so that there is some opening for the Holy Spirit to get in uh, and, and water and bring the increase in uh, these two men's life or one of them, you know, whoever God wills to come. But that's, that's all I can, that's all I can see. I had, to, I had to allow the Holy Spirit to change my mindset on um, uh, sex traffickers, especially the ones that, that traffic children. Um, a couple years ago, because I was just, I was having dreams about like murdering these guys. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you that, but I was having dreams like that keeping me up and like, like these guys need to be killed. And the Holy Spirit dealt with me. He was like, no, they need me. I love them. And yeah. they need me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this is the same situation. Those two gentlemen need to know the love of Jesus. And I was telling my friend yesterday, it's, I was thinking about this. When Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers, because the harvest is ripe, but there's not many people out there who are ready to go get the harvest. Yeah. And I was thinking, what if three years ago, someone black was instructed by the Holy Spirit to do something for that father or that son? And they decided not to. And that was a watering opportunity or a planning opportunity. And because that didn't happen, the thing that was growing inside of them had uh, been allowed to continue to grow. And it manifested in what we saw or, or what we were privy to see just this week. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we're a lot of believers yeah. are missing opportunities to thwart a lot of these plans that the enemy has and the behaviors that people, people are really, like James said, we're drawn away by our own lust. But at some point, the things that are inside of us, the things that cause us to lash out at other people are really roots of bitterness that were never dealt with. People have mm -hmm. unforgiveness that were never dealt with. And we sometimes don't want to deal with those people. We're like, oh, you got an attitude. I'm leaving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, I, I feel like we are not as open to the leading of the Holy Spirit 
like we should be when it comes to um, going to get the harvest. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And even, and this is, I mean, we're, we're in this series at our church right now, looking at the fruits of the spirit. And I think it's so timely for the season that we're in. Um, you know, it's all pre-planned at the beginning of the year before we knew all this was going to happen, but I love looking back and just seeing how the Holy spirit orchestrates things. But yeah. the thing we are focusing on is like all these fruits of this fruit of the spirit is actually a singular fruit that produces all these right. different things in our life. But it, we were we as Christians, and especially as Westerners, oftentimes we try to take these things that we see in the Bible and manufacture them in our own strength, and it's uh -huh. impossible. Uh -huh. And it's just like it's just like the standard we are talking about in the Bible. Say, so does that mean we just let ourselves get walked over? And, yeah. and, and immediately, the 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 human rationale from the group was like, well, you know, I think you know, there's probably a line where you, you know, you have the right to protect yourself. And and I had to come through. I'm like, look, guys, I'm not saying I know what what the perfect answer is. And I certainly don't know how to live in this completely. But mm -hmm. what I do know is that from what I see in the scripture, there is no lie where we're, we're right. <laughs> yes, we're supposed to allow, we're supposed to accept with joy when we are persecuted, done wrong, violated, stolen from assaulted, even to the point of losing our life mm -hmm. because we're not living for now. Mm -hmm. And that that's an uncomfortable place to to be, um, especially in the face of some of this stuff that, like you said, has built up. And 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 of course, we're not saying uh, not rightly so, but has right. built up over time an incredible bitterness, um, especially along racial lines in this country. I I call it in the first post I posted about this uh, this case, uh, and it was funny because later uh, I signed a petition calling for the resignation of that prosecutor. Um, in that local, the local in the town that had decided not even to press charges. Yeah. Um, Which is so against these guys. And it was funny because in, in their writing uh, for the petition, they used the same wording I used, which, which was, uh, you know, that this, this was <clears throat> um, the, uh, the original, the original sin of America. It's like when people talk about what we were found, we're founded on all these liberties and constitutional rights. And it's like those liberties and freedom and constitutional rights was only for white men. Yeah. Like don't pretend, right. don't get it twisted. And, right. and this country was, was built upon uh, racism, That's racism right. from the moment the Mayflower landed That's in right. the judgment that native Americans were savages and were, you know, that we could kill them and take their land uh -huh. uh, with impunity all the way up to black slavery and everything else that's happened. You know, uh -huh. so this is the original sin that we still have not dealt with in this country. Yep. So of course that, you know, today in 2020, we have, you know, the, you know, an entire community of people, not just African-American people, but anyone who's not white in this country yep. who has the absolute right to carry a chip on their shoulder and a bitterness in their heart because of what happens in this country, the injustices. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yet as believers, we're supposed to accept those things with almost like the sense in the Bible is with open arms, with open arms. recognizing that they test and refine our faith. And, and so the, the question then became for us in this Bible study and for me, um, what is that? What would that look like? What would it look like if we as Christians lived that kind of life mm -hmm. where we had no attachment to our own, our belongings? And, and one of the ways I posted it, I uh, put it before our group last night was, well, what if the stuff that you have, God gave you to stewards so that you had it in the very moment that that person who came and stole it needed it? 
Absolutely. What was that? What if that was the purpose for you having that stuff was so that that person could take it from you because they needed it. And you're actually God's provision to them because you're not relying on your stuff or your ability to get more stuff. You're relying on God as your ultimate provider. Well, what did Jesus say? Everybody was like, everybody was like, like, yeah, Yeah. this is a level of thinking that the Bible calls us to, but most of us don't engage in, but it's empowered. We're only able to live like that by the Holy Spirit. Cause you know, that's not our natural tendency. Mm -hmm. I don't care how saved you are. If you're sitting there outside your house and somebody busts your window to jump in your car and steal it, you go and run out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're not, you know, but I was like, I was like, but the Bible would probably be like, why? Hey, man, you don't have to bust my window. Here's the keys. That's what Jesus Jesus if said. You, if you see somebody doing that, and they and they give them the shirt, give them yeah, give them something yeah. else. Hey, and, man, don't bust the window because then you're gonna be driving around this janky car. Here's the keys, man. If you need it that bad, it's crazy. I like that's yeah, crazy. That, it sounds stupid. It sounds crazy to yeah. our logic, to our and even to the brand of Christianity that we've been taught. But I gotta find that verse now because that's this crazy. is what this is what the Bible is teaches is the standard. And it's like what? But but the question that I ask myself as I imagine is what? What kind of testimony would it be to the world to see the body of Christ so fully? Uh, believing in and trusting in their God to provide for them. And so completely convinced and understanding of the promise and hope of eternity that we could live like that and just like, you know, take what you need, do do what you want to do. Take, take my life. If that's what has to happen. Um, It's it's a crazy thought. we're We're okay with that because we know, we know what's on the other side of that. We know, that we win. And that, that's, that's, that's the radical love that we're so unwilling sometimes to push into yeah. a radical love where we love you so much. And we believe God and love God so much that we're willing to not fight for ourselves. Oh my God. Cause that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He loved us so much that he didn't fight for himself when he was falsely accused, falsely sentenced, whipped and crucified he didn't fight for himself when we all know that he could have called down the armies of heaven yep. smote everybody and come down off of that cross and completely healed his body he could have done all of that but because of his love and his understanding of the hope that was on the other side of his sacrifice you see i don't think us we as believers we don't understand eternity we don't understand the hope on the other side of our sacrifices so we're unwilling to sacrifice and as americans we're taught that we are owed certain things. We deserve certain things, yep. a standard, um, a constitutional standard, a Liberty standard, a all men created equal standard. And, and we're, we're supposed to fight for that. If anyone violates that against ourselves, those are the, and there's a line and we talked about this before there, there's a difference between our American rights and our kingdom rights. And what do we as believers, where, where, what side of the line do we need to be on? And I believe it's the side of the kingdom because we are ambassadors to this world, which means the, uh, uh, the rights that people who, who have not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior abide by the rights of this. If they live in Russia, they abide by the, the Russian rule. They abide by the American laws. Um, they abide by the American ideals. 
I don't, again, like Jesus said, not so among you. (laughs) I don't, I really, I really have a hard time with um, people who are fighting harder for their American rights instead of living in the glory of the kingdom of the kingdom ideal and mindset. Um, like Paul said, let this mind be in you the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. But we have, we don't like that. We, we don't like that. And, um, uh, again, am I upset about what happened and, and racism still, um, still as pervasive, um, as it was 10, 20 years ago? Yes, because it's ridiculous. At this point, it's ridiculous. Come on. Come on already. Stop. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But at the same time, I know I have a responsibility and not, and I, I believe, uh, I have uh, one of those things that I have to do is help other people, help other minorities understand that our believers, we have to show the love of Jesus. We have to show the love of Jesus. Even you can be mad, but don't sin and drop to the level of fighting for your American rights or your black rights. We have to, we have to make sure we live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Yeah. And, and I think if we, if we take it one step further in scripture, when we look at the verses that say, you know, count it all joy when you encounter trouble, yes. there's this understanding that like, we don't suffer this stuff for no reason, but mm-hmm. it actually refines our faith. Mm-hmm. And so then I always like to take statements in the scripture and, and flip them. If it's true in the affirmative, it's also true in the negative, which means that if I fight against the troubles, if I try to protect myself against the testing, if I try to uh, keep people from violating um, and oppressing me and persecuting me, then then I'm I'm fighting against that refining. I'm fighting against that development of my Christian faith and my maturity and endurance and all the things scripture talks about. I'm actually holding those things at bay for the sake of my comfort in this life because of what I think I um, am owed. Bro. We forget that, you know, God's, God's not an American. And right. while, while our constitution has biblical principles in it, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't call us to live according to the, according to the biblical standards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like all men are created equal. Absolutely. But the Bible doesn't tell us that all people are going to get treated uh, equally. Right. It tells us that when that doesn't happen, we're supposed to uh, react with all joy. Right. And that's, right. you know, and again, like I'm, I'm the first to recognize like these are easy, easier things to say for us as Americans in general mm-hmm. than people who live in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. It's easier for me to say as a white male mm-hmm. than it is for many other people in this country to say mm-hmm. um, it's easier for us as full-time paid pastors to say stuff like this than it would be for other people, but it doesn't make it any less true. Right. And, and again, like we were saying, you cannot live like this. You cannot right. overcome the programming of our humanity mm-hmm. and our flesh and our Americanism uh, on our own. Like it has to be the Holy spirit, but you have to to actively engage the Holy spirit, the fruits of the spirit. Obviously we look around when you get saved, you get filled with the Holy spirit, but there's a whole lot of people who gotten saved who are not living, producing the fruit of the spirit. So it doesn't happen by default. We have to intentionally engage it. Yeah. And so that, you know, that's part of the purpose of this podcast is we want to try to make you guys aware of what the Bible says 
But then it's up to you and up to each one of us to actively engage the Holy Spirit to help us live into that. Mm-hmm. Right? I, just, there's two things that I want to say and definitely want to hear your uh, opinion on this. Um, the first thing, uh, we were having this conversation with our kids the other day and the question came up, well, what, what makes Christianity different from all the other religions? Everybody's trying to be good. Um, isn't that the whole point of Christianity? And I, I gave them an answer, but I feel like in light of what happened, what we are all, what we, what we've all been made privy to this week with the shooting of uh, Ahmad Arbery is that the main difference between Christianity and every other religion, besides the fact that Jesus died, rose again, and is still alive, and no other religion can make that claim, but that we aren't trying to be good. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody else, every other religion, yeah, let's try to be good. Let's try to be better people. No, because that has to do with me. This is the only religion that the crux of it has to do with you, Jesse. It has to do with my neighbor next door how, and how I treat them, which is why Jesus said, I'm giving you a new command. And then not long after that, he said, I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit can come and lead you one into all truth about who I am and to comfort you. I believe uh, the inference is on the journey to becoming more like me. Yeah. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because loving other people, living selfless lives is the hardest crap anybody has ever had to do. I don't care who you are. Yeah. That's one of the main differences, in my opinion, that separates Christianity from uh, every other religion. They don't care about other people like Jesus, like God cared for them and like Jesus showed he cared for them. And then like he told us, to care for other people. And that is hard. So yes, we need the Holy Spirit to do that. And, and two, oh gosh, I forgot my second point because that for me, oh, the whole American versus Christian thing, uh, uh, Christ follower thing. It's so, um, that's such, uh, we might have to come back we might have to come back to that because I don't even know if that's, I don't think it's ever going to change. And I share your frustration um, because it, it isn't right. Um, And yes, love the forefathers, love what the constitution did for America, love all of that stuff. Um, It's a part of history that should be taught, but as believers, we just have to remember that the only the only hero in our book, the only hero in our lives <laughs> is Jesus. And um, he's because what he did is the only is the difference maker for all of us. So the fact that uh, he did all that and left the Holy Spirit for us, I think negates everything, everything else besides which is why he said, yeah, you can be angry, feel those feelings, but don't let it while Paul said, don't let it cause you to step back into your flesh, to step back into the person you are without Jesus, without the Holy spirit. Um, and, uh, so what, what, what do you think about that? The fact that this is the hardest thing to do ever is live a selfless life. And as it pertains to 
uh, racism and how we as believers have to uh, have to have to navigate through that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's incredibly difficult growing up in the society that we grow up in and being taught what we're taught about um, independence and freedom and liberty and the struggle and the lives that have been, you know, lost in the the fight for, you know, these rights and that they're inalienable and they're for everyone and that they're worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. And then on the Bible, you know, you have the Bible over here and, and so many of the people who, who are huge proponents and so outspoken about those things use things in the scripture as well. Um, and then, you know, you, like we have, you grow up and hopefully you start to mature and you start to study the scripture and you realize there's a whole different standard in there. But you have a, a, a lifetime of social programming uh-huh. that you have to overcome. And that's why the Bible says the, the, the word washes our, our minds. Uh-huh. It renews our minds. It renews the way that we think about things. And the Holy Spirit is the one who flips the switch and begins uh-huh. to produce that fruit that can't be produced on our own, uh-huh. not, at least not authentically and not consistently. Yeah. With our own willpower, we can fake it for a little while, but it's always going to break down or we can actually you know, have some peace, but it's only going to last for a short amount of time before the cares of this world overwhelm us again. Um, and so like, it, it, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, we're, we're both aware of it and we're both people who are pressing into it, yeah. but I, I don't know about you, but I'm fully aware of like how far I still have to go. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and, and even that, and that's even standing in an easier place than I know a lot of other people. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a black person living in the South or even living here in Seattle who has to deal mm-hmm. with the looks and the reactions and the unfair practices and the, and the persecution and the injustice, you know, mm-hmm. on a daily basis and carry yeah. that weight. And then to, and then to read inscription and realize that I'm supposed to be able to, I'm supposed to not, not bear that, but actually release that mm-hmm. and walk in a freedom and a joy and a peace in God, because I'm not worried about fighting for what's right for myself here and now. Yeah. Um, but I'm just called to show extravagant love in the face of the worst kind of hatred. <laughs> I think you can't it. overstate that's how it. difficult that, how difficult that shift is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not surprising that so few of us, even in history have, have lived in that. And yet mm-hmm. that has to be our pursuit. And I think the, the thing that has to happen first and foremost, which I know for me is one of the biggest goals is we've got to separate. I mean, and it kind of goes back to the, you know, the cliche statement, like there needs to be a separation of church and state, like mm-hmm. America and our Americanism needs to become separate from our Christianity. Otherwise, if the two are joined, we'll never be able to live at this right. standard. Right. Because our, our Americanness fights against mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a man-made system it's a flesh system and the bible mm-hmm. tells us the flesh is always fighting against the spirit they stand in complete and direct opposition to each other and and yep. you can't you can't blend them what 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 uh, what does light have to do with darkness mm-hmm. how can sin have any place with righteousness like mm-hmm. we, we we have to cut off the mixing first yeah um and 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 like you said that's that's difficult no matter who you, you have to separate. I have to separate my, my whiteness 
from my Christianity mm -hmm. so that I'm living in the Christian standard of loving all people. And I mm -hmm. recognize that every tribe, nation is going to be in heaven. Ooh. That God loves all people and that there is no hierarchy based on skin color, but mm -hmm. it's just as difficult of a challenge for a black person yeah. because they got to separate their blackness and mm -hmm. all of the injustice that that entails, all the stuff they have to deal with because of that um, and separate that from their Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, oh, and, and that is, that is just as difficult um, of a, a requirement, a standard to live into. To, to disassociate from the things that the world uses to identify us and identify solely based upon our faith in Christ. And it's funny because first Corinthians, I mean, if you're listening, go read first Corinthians five, six, and seven uh -huh. chapter five talks about kicking people out of the church for sin. So it's intense. Uh -huh. chapter six, chapter six talks about how we are joined with Christ and uh -huh. to prostitute ourselves to any other thing um, is to violate into, into, um, almost reject or but it's more like a violation a tainting of the price that christ paid for us yeah that he paid a price for our soul he prayed prayed a paid a price even for our body and to connect it with any other thing in this world um is is a tainting of it yeah and then chapter seven we haven't gotten into it yet in our bible study but as i've been studying chapter seven is the one where we see crazier stuff that people love to throw out there in rejection of christianity uh -huh. where he says hey if you were a slave when you got saved stay a slave i i was going to bring that up earlier <laughs> but i was talking to someone um last week about that very thing it was like paul called us to in whatever position in life, whatever status in life we are at when we came to know Christ, he said, stay there. Meaning, yeah. and, and specifically he was talking about uh, whether you're a slave, if you're a slave owner, if you are, uh, you know, where, wherever you are, he said, stay there. Don't seek to get out of yeah. that position. Yeah. Which if is the opportunity arises, feel right. free to take it right. if you want to, right? But not to fight with it. And basically, what he's saying is right. because he's trying to get us to understand that our our eternal nature doesn't have anything to do with our temporary nature here on earth. Don't worry about what your status is. Don't oh. worry about if you're receiving justice. Don't worry about if you're getting what you deserve here and now, because it doesn't matter because the judge is going to come mm -hmm. and you're going to win because you're going to get to have eternity in a perfect place. God, let me you're tell you, have eternity after the perfect judgment of God. And so the Bible says, vengeance is mine. The Lord uh -huh. is going to bring about what's right. And as we, the Bible says, don't be worried about storing up treasure here yeah. on earth. And that treasure, we look at it just as money, but that treasure yeah. is belongings. That treasure can be relationships. That treasure mm -hmm. can be rights. The treasure can be justice that we pursue here on the earth instead of letting God be the one who brings justice. Mm -hmm. All of that is treasure that we begin to put our trust and our faith and connect our heart to. Mm -hmm. In the Bible, God sees that all as idolatry. It's mm -hmm. prostitution mm -hmm. because we're supposed to be his and his alone because he paid paid the ultimate price for us. Yo. And he says in that same passage, because even if you were free when you got saved, now you're a slave to Christ. So right. it doesn't matter yes. if you were yeah. slave when you got That's saved. Right. That's right. Even if you weren't a slave, now you are a slave. You're a slave That's to right. Christ. Why? Because he owns you because That's he paid right. the price for us. That's right. And these are all Yo. concepts and ideas that are so difficult for us to accept because Super. we've been 
we've been socialized that all that stuff is negative and that there's uh-huh. this this rainbow there's this gold you know pot at the end of the rainbow that we're all uh-huh. supposed to get a chance to have that we all deserve and that you know we should fight and rail against any injustice that uh-huh. will keep us from being able to get to the end of the rainbow yeah. whatever that end of the rainbow looks like for us right that all men have the right to pursuit of happy life liberty and the pursuit of happiness uh-huh. and this Yo, is the thing that we fight that for is dope that is so dope it's it's amazing to hear um but it's also very difficult to hear because it's hard to understand how to do that in the face of such injustice but that's what jesus is that's what jesus is requiring and my 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 takeaway from this conversation i love what you i love what you said about we're called to extravagant love. That's, that's big for me. And what I think about when I hear that statement is my blackness is an opportunity for me to not fight back, but to plant and water in people's lives is to use that as an opportunity to be the love of Jesus in the face of someone who does not like me, someone who doesn't like me because I'm black. Um, and uh, because we're called to extravagant love, and I have to use my blackness as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus, not to fight for the rights of all black people or even my right. Um, and that's hard to listen. I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they're not going to readily understand it. But uh, and they might even not like me for saying it, but for saying it, and it's. Because it's not the mindset that black people have adopted. I don't, I don't think all across the board, the black people have adopted that. Or all minorities, Mexicans included, anyone who's not white, I don't think, and they're believing. Anybody. Right. Anybody. Right. I don't think they've adopted that mindset of let me use the fact that I'm a min- minority for God's glory and the joy of others. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is almost like a, the, the my existence as a persecuted individual yeah. makes brighter my uh, expressions of love to the world right. because That's they right. understand just how much right. of a right I have right. not to love them. Hashtag hardest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Hardest thing ever, ever. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. And I have to go to get my... Um, windshield replaced today and every time I go into public I have to remember Holy Spirit help me to live in a way that that pleases you Uh, especially with this in the back of my mind this dude got shot in his own neighborhood I'm thinking about that and also thinking about how can I allow the Holy Spirit because I can't stay in the house Yeah, you know what I'm saying I can't just lock myself in the house like we read in 1 Corinthians. Paul said, if you don't like the world, maybe you shouldn't live here anymore. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. you need to leave. And and I know that is not possible. I can't stay in the house. I have to go outside and I have to interact with people. Um, so thinking about having these having these two thoughts in my head. Ahmad Arby just got got shot in February in his own neighborhood. He was hunted. He wasn't just shot. He was he was tracked down 
and shot. And I'm leaving the house today having to interact with people who are likely not going to be black, who are likely not going to be Mexican, likely not going to be Samoan or, or Chinese. They're going to be white people. And I have to remember, allow the Holy Spirit to help you be like Jesus today and use the fact that you're a minority to share God's love. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, like you said earlier, that's easier said than done. But I want the Holy Spirit to do that. I, I want to be used in that way. Um, if, yeah, if I'm honest, like, I'm mad. But if I'm also, and on the same token, I want to be used in a way that brings glory to God. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And like we talked about last night, like, if if you can imagine what that life looks like, what it is, is really, I have, I'm now separated from emotional attachment to, to rights, to things in my, you know, nat- in my worldly uh, uh, existence, yeah. um, to, to my belongings. And it's really, that is really where we find the, the, the full expression of this life of freedom, liberty, and peace that enjoy that God says that we have access to. But it requires yep. us to let go of our our need and our fight and our desire and our angst and our stress and our emotional yep. pursuit of these things um, that is then, you know, we have to experience all of the hurt and the pain when, when, when we don't get it, when mm-hmm. it's taken from us, when we have to watch it taken from other people. Um, but, you know, the one thing I want to be clear on in this, in this conversation, too, is that, that this is an individual thing. Yeah. Like I said in the very beginning, there's a there's an interesting line that we have to walk as believers, where we are living free from the constraints of needing those things for ourselves, and yet yes. we champion yes. the needs and the rights of of the oppressed, persecuted, those who are taking advantage, those who are at high uh, you know vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says true religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans. That's right. Um, and so there's this. It's not saying that we just toss up our hand and say, what's going to happen, you know, que Sarah, Sarah, and that, that the church and Christians are not meant to be agents of, of justice um, and, and protection and, and provision for those in need in our society. It just means that we're not fighting it for ourselves. That's right. We're okay to not have it. And we're even okay to sacrifice it for the, the, the provision or protection of someone else. That's big. And it, and it goes all the way down to what Jesus said. There's no greater love than for me to lay down all everything, including up to and including my life for someone or my brother. That's right. And so if I have to die to save the life of my brother, if I'm jogging on that same road and I'm going to go, I'm going to go after these guys with guns so that he can get away and maybe I'm going to get shot and die. Yeah. That's, that's, I don't, I should not even have attachment, including my life and be willing to lay it down to protect the innocent. Um, And so there's, there is, there is that, that tightrope where we don't demand it for ourselves, but we're willing to lay down anything and everything to provide it for other people because that is. Man, I, I hope you guys got something out of this. um, This is a hard, it's a hard topic. It's a hard topic, but it's, um, you see it. Uh, in scripture in the new testament peter was challenged with um being racist jesus challenged the jews with this whole idea of uh it's not about just living your life in a way 
that pleases God now. Now you have to live or live your life in sacrifice to God. Now you have to live your life in sacrifice to other people. And the Jewish leaders didn't like that. Peter didn't even like it when he was uh, asked to, to, to uh, spread the gospel to the Gentiles. But the Holy Spirit dealt with him. All Jesse and I are doing in this conversation, it, we're sharing how the Holy Spirit is dealing with us, and we uh, want you also to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with you on this topic um, uh, because it's about us living a life that, that pleases God and that's not only sacrificial to God, but sacrificial to other people. So, Yeah, um, yeah. In, the, in, in the context and the truth of Scripture. And yes. So Jesse, if they have any questions, if they might have hate mail this time, uh, where, <laughs> where, where should people Faith, go? Faith chair podcast at gmail.com. Uh, know the just faith chair podcast at gmail.com where you can always message us or comment on the, our Facebook page, the faith chair. And, uh, and yeah, I'd love to, anyone who has questions or wants to continue this conversation. Uh, this is, this is a big one. Yeah. I'm going to continue to be engaging God with, cause I know I'm nowhere near yeah. anything considering uh, a, a rival on this yeah. topic and subject. Yeah. And I'm fully aware that, uh, that our proponent of it, teaching of it and engaging the Holy spirit is probably going to mean that I'm going to have to deal with some situations in the, in the near future. But you know, that's, that's, that's what, that's how it goes. That's how we grow. Mm-hmm. That's how we become like Christ. And mm-hmm. um, you know, so it is what it is. Truth ain't always easy. It's not. It's not always easy, but it sets you free. (laughs) It sets us free. Yo, man, you have a good afternoon and give your doggie some ice cream. She's probably going to need it. Yes. You're going to hear a little puppuccino. (laughs) Right, right. Yo, I see you, uh, Genesis. I see your arm and hair. See your ponytail. (laughs) She can't hear you on my mic. Yo, man, love you. You have a great weekend. And uh, I'll see you later. All right. All right, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to ask and answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. But until then, we'll see you next time on The The Faith Faith Chair. Chair.